You're listening to episode 47 with the 2020 presidential candidate, Pete Buttigieg, a.k.a. Mayor Pete of South Bend, Indiana. This episode is brought to you by Imagine H2O. Hi, I'm George Hawkins, past CEO of DC Water, founder of Moonshot, the professor of practice at American University. This is a podcast that helps you communicate the value of water. And what's more important than that? It's water in real life with my friends, the H2 duo, Stephanie Zavala and Ariane Shipley. Imagine H2O is a water technology accelerator, empowering people to develop and deploy innovation to solve water challenges globally. You can be innovative about anything, from your hiring process to the way your organization deals with hexavalent chromium contamination. What matters is that you're constantly trying to improve the way you're doing things, and the better you are at innovation, the better you are at everything. Learn more about Imagine H2O, their accelerator, and other beta programs at imagineh2o.org. And that's why you could argue that, that uh, water and wastewater is one of the most important and empowering inventions uh, ever produced by mankind. We wouldn't uh, argue with you at all. So <laughs> <laughs> that's why we're passionate about it. We are incredibly excited to share with you this conversation that we had with Mayor Pete Buttigieg from South Bend, Indiana. Um, incredible shout out goes to Deborah Shore, who is a commissioner on the board of the Metropolitan Water Reclamation District of Greater Chicago. We actually got to meet her at a picnic table sharing barbecue and beer at the Water Reuse Conference in Austin, Texas last fall. And it just goes to show the amazing connections that just get made and happen on a daily basis in the water world. We were just sitting across from her, kind of telling our story and the people that we like to interview for Water in Real Life. And she said, oh my gosh, you have to talk to my friend, Mayor Pete. They did some amazing things with smart sewers. And, you know, of course, we instantly nerded out. We said, absolutely. And she made that happen. And we bumped into her again at Weftech, Weftech this past year. And she said, oh, I'm so happy to see you since I've talked to you. Mayor Pete was in Rolling Stone magazine. We were like, what? Uh, Mayor was in Rolling Stone magazine talking about sewers, and so she forwarded me the um, the article, and there was a part in there where he talked about freedom and wastewater in the same sentence, and it was just like absolutely like we got to get this guy on now today. So we reached out to one of his staff members and got it all scheduled and set and ready to go. He had a crazy schedule, of course, the day that we were supposed to interview. And so um, his, his staff member, Mark, had emailed me and said, hey, is it okay if we can just tweak our schedule time by like about 30 minutes? How about like one o'clock? So I said, you know, me and Ariane were like, perfect. One o'clock is great. Um, Put it on the calendar, not like we knew that they were an hour ahead, but just had one o'clock on the mind. And so, you know, it was getting close to lunchtime. And we were like, ah, we're getting hungry. Let's, let's just go sit in the conference room and relax for a minute before we do this big interview. So we're kind of just sitting there having this leisurely lunch. And I mean, I left my phone in the, the office and everything. And so I was like, ah, it's getting a little close to the time. Let me go check my phone, make sure everything with the computer's okay. And I check my phone and there's several missed calls and there's several emails from, uh, from Mayor Pete's office wondering if we're still doing this interview because of course, 1 p.m. their time was 12 p.m. our time. And so we frantically call and get set up and ready to go. And thankfully there was enough 
wiggle room in his schedule that he was able to have a chat with us. So uh, we only got to talk to him for about 15 minutes, but we got all of our questions in and he gave us some amazing answers. So par for the course, you know, there's never a dull day in the life of the H2 duo. So um, <laughs> you can tell in our voices that we're a little freaked out and starstruck, but it was an amazing interview nonetheless. And so we really hope you enjoy it. And um, we really hope that you, it encourages you to reach out to your elected officials using some of the feedback that Mayor Pete gives in order to get them more engaged in, in what we do every single day and encouraging them to share with their constituents the value in all of that. So we're going to start with his bio and then without further ado, let's get to the show. Mayor Pete Buttigieg is the chief executive of the city of South Bend, Indiana, where he was also born. He took office in 2012 at the age of 29 and is responsible for the city workforce of over 1,000 employees and an annual budget over $380 million. Buttigieg has been profiled by the New York Times and was called the most interesting mayor you've never heard of by the Washington Post. An officer in the U.S. Navy Reserve from 2009 to 2017, Buddha took a leave of absence to serve in Afghanistan during a seven-month deployment in 2014, earning the Joint Service Commendation Medal for his counterterrorism work. A Rhodes Scholar, Buddha studied philosophy, politics, and economics at Oxford and has a degree in American history and literature from Harvard College. He lives in a formerly vacant house he is restoring in the same neighborhood where he grew up with his husband and their dog, Truman. Thank you so much for being on the Water in Real Life podcast. We are a podcast that's dedicated to talking about communication uh, in the water industry. And so, funny enough, if there's any elected official we should bring on to talk about uh, wastewater, one of our favorite topics, it should be the mayor that spoke about wastewater and freedom in the same sentence in a Rolling Stone uh, article in the magazine. So, Tell us a little bit about South Bend's long-term control plan to address CSOs and why you're passionate about the basics that most people overlook. Yeah, so I'm passionate about the basics because I think it's such an important part of the reason why we have cities, why we have government to begin with. So sometimes I even talk about wastewater and the meaning of life. And, and what I'm getting at is that, uh, you know, there, there's 100,000 people in this city who are going about their lives and they're pursuing whatever to them, whether it's scholarship or, or, or faith or business, you know, whatever matters to them, I don't have to know what it is. Um, but their local government is responsible for the fact that it's harder to do those things, to get to school, start a business, uh, make your way to work, whatever's important to you, if the basics aren't taken care of. And that's why you could argue that, that uh, water and wastewater is one of the most important and empowering inventions uh, ever produced by mankind. We wouldn't uh, argue with you at all. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why we're passionate about it. Um, and, and we're very proud that our city's also at the cutting edge on a lot of these things. So like many cities, we have a combined sewer overflow or CSO system. It runs stormwater and wastewater through the same pipes. And uh, we were faced with a huge and hugely expensive requirement to change it, to fix it in order to comply with the Clean Water Act. Mm -hmm. uh, what is a little different about our story is that some very forward thinking and enterprising people in the city were paying attention to technology being developed up the street at the University of Notre Dame. Realized that that technology could be deployed throughout our sewer system to better monitor the system we've already got before you start investing tens or even hundreds of millions uh, into building uh, new pipes, new tanks, tunnels, and the rest of it. And so we have done a lot of that traditional 
gray infrastructure upgrades. Matter of fact, we've reduced our overflow uh, by something like 75%, 75% less untreated water going into the river, in, especially in storms. Um, but also we've been able to deploy technology that allows us to optimize what we've already got. It's basically a smart sewer. It's the most densely monitored sewer system in the world. And uh, through that, we think we've been able to probably avoid hundreds of millions of dollars in capital investment and get the same environmental benefit as if we did it the old way. Wow, that's awesome. Um, I'm, I'm glad that you kind of touched on the, the technology aspect of it because we're huge fans of cities that invest in water technology. And investment in water tech is incredibly important for the growth of our industry, both in the public and private sectors. And we were especially drawn to your story because South Bend invested in that water technology. So can you talk to us a little about about the sewer sensors that you have implemented in the city and really like what insight can you give to other utilities that are listening to get their elected officials on board with being more open to implementing more water technology? Yeah, so what you have is, is a system of sensors. They're about the size of a credit card. Uh, they're enabled with Wi-Fi. And so instead of having to pull open a manhole cover and just look in and check, uh, we can feed all of this information into a grid and then tell what happens in the system in real time as different rainfall and snowfall patterns happen across the city. Uh, my predecessor took a risk by investing uh, uh, a few million dollars in this deployment. Uh, now, as we've been able to take it to the next level with artificial intelligence uh, programming basically being applied to all the data that's coming in, we think it's going to save us hundreds of millions of dollars in the, the costs of uh, if we had to do this work without the benefit of that system and those insights. Uh, another benefit that mayors should think about is that if you're willing to innovate on, on, on these efforts, uh, you can see some economic gain too. Um, this was the first time that this kind of technology was deployed, but the intellectual property was so valuable and, and the system was so useful that an entire company grew out of that application. And now it's a tech company right up the street here in downtown South Bend. It's creating uh, jobs that pay well, and uh, they're selling similar technology to customers around the world. Uh, and they're doing it from right here in South Bend because we were the first place to take a chance on the ideas that they were creating. So these partnerships have benefits on uh, so many levels. Uh, uh, one of the people who's involved in bringing it about talks a lot about uh, uh, a triple bottom line, you know, mm. social, economic, and environmental. And yeah. I think that's what we've seen in South Bend's story. Man, well, we are huge fans of South Bend's story and your story. And as we understand your story, you were elected to mayor and then immediately had to make huge, huge decisions about wastewater. And I'm only assuming this, maybe I'm wrong. I'm assuming that wastewater wasn't a significant part of your wheelhouse before you became Mayor Pete. Yeah, um, safe to say that didn't come up much in my uh, military or business. Okay. So, and, uh, you know, in the water industry. Yeah. And in the water industry, we're so passionate about water and uh, wastewater. And we kind of fire hose newcomers um, with all this information at once. So can you help us? What's the first step utilities, water utilities can take to get their elected officials up to speed? Well, I think it's a good idea to remember that uh, uh, us elected officials need a little time to absorb all of this. <laughs> and, uh, the first thing is to just try to make sure that you explain it in English. And that's a harder that's thing to hard. do. Than that's uh, why we're know, here. <laughs> um, you know, a lot of uh, our most talented and, and capable people sometimes forget about the ratio between what, what they know 
-hmm. and what I'm capable of absorbing. And so you got to kind of fit those two together in order to uh, patiently educate your elected officials. Look, elected officials want to do the right thing. And right. Uh, you're talking to any mayor of any city. You know, they want to make sure that the city is safe, that uh, we're using taxpayer dollars wisely, um, and that we're making good decisions. Those are the things that the residents are going to hire and fire us over every election. Uh, connecting that up to wastewater isn't always obvious, but when you walk through uh, the obligations that we have, moral obligations, and then, of course, a lot of legal obligations that come with right. it, and then you match that to the dollars and cents of it. What does it cost to do uh, the right thing? What does it cost to uh, maybe try some some new things. It all fits together into a picture that I think is right at the heart of what local government is about, which is delivering the kinds of services that empower people to thrive in their everyday lives. I love it. That's awesome. Thank you. Um, so we know that you're a veteran, so obviously we want to thank you for your service to our country. Um, the water industry is facing what is being dubbed the silver tsunami, which is basically the significant portion of the workforce that's retiring. And so building and maintaining a sustainable workforce is key to keeping things flowing, like quite literally. So how can the water industry, specifically the public sector side, do a better job at reaching out to service members whose tours of duty are ending and to join Team Blue, AKA Water, and make it an attractive option to them? Oh, well, I think it's a, it's a really smart play. You know, veterans have so much to offer in terms of skills and often highly relevant skills. So uh, you may not think of, and I, we were joking earlier about my own background, but also there's tons of people in the military who had to figure out things like uh, how to deliver and remove water. I remember, the, you, know, you know, being uh, in a deployed environment where we didn't have access to functioning wastewater. And that meant that a, a truck had to come every now and then and suck everything out of a tank somewhere. And it was not a pretty sight or a pretty smell. Um, but it meant that uh, there's both a level of expertise and, if you've been in the field, a level of appreciation about the importance of this. Uh, you know, anybody who's done civil affairs in Iraq or tried to uh, set up a, a forward operating base in, in Afghanistan would know a thing or two, would have thought a lot about water. Uh, there's so much potential out there, and you're right that as uh, people uh, start to age out of the workforce, we're going to need that many more problem solvers, people who are committed to that kind of work. But the great thing is, what military service and good municipal public works have in common is they're a form of service, a, a kind of professional work that makes everything else possible. Yeah. And it has this paradoxical quality, which is the better job you're doing at it, um, the less anybody knows about it and vice versa. I don't want people, you know, we can geek out about water. I don't want uh, a resident to be thinking too much about it because I don't want her to have to worry about water right. and wastewater. I want her to worry about uh, you know, her job, uh, her family, whatever is important to her in life. And it's in many ways the same as national security. Uh, you know, you, you, we, uh, people in the military uh, try to handle those things so that the rest of the civilian world doesn't have to. And in some ways, that's a healthy division of labor. Yeah. I agree with that 100%. My only caveat is going to be that I don't want you to think about it, but I still want you to value it, you know, because there's so much value that goes into that and to, and to be able to, not have to worry about it, but still appreciate and understand that value for what both of those services bring. Yeah, it would be cool if we thought about the water utilities employees and guys and gals kind of the way we think about the military, just in the police and fire, just this like hero, service. this service, this hero um, in our eyes and our minds and hearts. So um, yeah, we're... So you can tell we're obviously a little biased. Um, we, we believe that every politician should have um, water as the key issue on their platform. Um, 
but our industry is facing some significant challenges and we need everyone on board. Um, every community is unique, but how can we do a better job at outreaching to elected officials to keep water top of the mind? I think it's very simple. It's reminding everybody that you need water to live. So all the other stuff is uh, important and uh, maybe captures more attention. But one thing you sure just utterly can't do without. We don't deliver water. Civilization has about 36 hours left in any given area. And so it's that fundamental. I'm going to pull that. That's yeah. a good quote. <laughs> Mayor Pete, right there. I love it. Oh, dang. We're doing the wrap-up round already. Um, I'm, I'm truly honored to be talking to you today. I'm very excited and I again sorry that our um our timing <laughs> time snafu, we yeah. forget about you know time changes or time zones <laughs> you know that whole thing um but we're gonna do a wrap-up round real quick um so I want to know Mayor Pete what's your favorite book right now that you can recommend to all of us well I'd be remiss if I didn't mention a seminal uh, work on this topic called Shortest Way Home by Mayor Pete Buttigieg available in uh, your favorite bookstore on uh, February 12th Flood day. Right I love it. so uh uh I can't say I've been reading. Well, I have been actually. <laughs> uh, there's even a whole discussion and a meditation on the importance of wastewater in there. So, ah, um, cannot um, wait. I'm also reading *The Fifth Risk* right now by Michael Lewis. Just a great example of uh, again unsung heroes in uh, public service. Why that work matters. I love it. Amazing. Ooh, I cannot wait. Yeah. Okay. What's something that you do every day that drives your productivity? Well, I probably should say work out, but the honest uh, <laughs> truth is that's not something that happens every day. Uh, but when it does happen, it tends to enhance my productivity. All so right. I'll keep recommending it. Nice. All right. Well, you inspired me to get back to the gym. So like, <laughs> let's all just, you know, try again every day, right? That's how you move, put one foot in front of the other. Um, so in our line of work and doing communication, outreach, education, and for both water and the environment, you know, we get, well, what difference does it make if I change? I'm just one person. I can't make a difference. Who cares? And, you know, obviously we wholeheartedly disagree with that. We believe that one person making a positive change can be contagious and inspire others to make the change as well. So what's the one call to action that you're most passionate about that you believe could ultimately change the world? Well, I think it's just to go where you're needed. And sometimes that's a surprising place. I never would have guessed that I would uh, serve in elected office in local government. Um, and if you'd asked me when I was 18, I probably wouldn't have guessed that I would serve in the military either. Um, but whenever somebody asks where they can make a difference, my next question is, what do you care about? And mm -hmm. if you work on something you care about, you're going to be good at it. Yep. And uh, you're going to find a way to make the impact that, that you need. And if everybody's doing that, the world's a better place. Agreed, 100%. Well, we're trying to, in our own corner of the world, revolutionize our industry through communication and collaboration and bringing people together. And, you know, a lot of times we ask ourselves, how do we know when we're winning or making headway? And one way for us that we can put words to is when every politician in this country knows that water has to be on their platform to be elected. And when people in power like you drop an issue like wastewater in the same sentence as freedom in that Rolling Stone article, I mean, like for us, that's Wow. So it feels like the first step in the right direction. So thank you so much for getting it. And we hope you stay inspired to continue to believe in the power of water to transform communities and to unite us when we can't seem to agree on much else. So totally honored to have this conversation and we appreciate you taking time out of your day to spend with us. My pleasure. Glad I could join you. We hope you enjoyed the show today. Never miss out on future episodes by clicking subscribe or better yet, sign up for the Water Nerds newsletter at theh2duo.com forward slash newsletter. We also give you permission to slide into our DMs and shoot us your email that way to get you signed up as well. 
we are doing a ton of traveling. So please be sure to check us out on Twitter and Instagram at the underscore H2 duo. Check out our profile with all our tour dates. Let's meet in real life. We hope you learned something new today, got a little inspired, or did something that moved you one step closer to your goal. Until next time, remember what one of our favorite quotes says, those who tell the stories rule the world. 